Well, good morning. You guys can take a seat. Uh, it is a happy Memorial Day to you guys. It's a good weekend, um, right? You get some time off, hopefully, and you got some uh, SEC championship baseball going on today, hopefully, you know, hope, right? Yes, um, right? It's, it's summertime in College Station. It's where the, uh, it's, you know, right? We, we flee to the indoors. Um, it's happening. Um, but man, I, I, uh, my name is Thomas. If I've not met you yet, typically I'm with our junior high and high school students across the street um, on a Sunday morning, but it's good to be with you guys here today. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I was born in Illinois, uh, just outside of Chicago, about 30 miles outside of Chicago, and then um, that, that's where I was born and raised. Um, and um, when I was going to first starting kindergarten, um, I remember going to my uh, elementary school and finding out that uh, there were 25 people in my class, uh, only five of which were uh, boys. So the other 20 were girls in my class. And um, so the five of us um, had to stick together, right? right? We had to defend ourselves and uh, make sure we looked out for one another. But that gave us this brotherhood and this strength. We said we need to turn towards one another and protect us right from out there, the darkness, right? No, we were just, we became friends. And fast forward to third, fourth grade, um, it had been raining at our elementary school, and there was like a new creek, basically, that had kind of formed, full of mud and bugs and everything else. And we were out there playing, and it was like mankind discovering fire for the first time. You know, we wandered out there, and we're like, oh, what is, what is it? And someone got the idea to dip, take a stick and dip it into the mud. And like, they hold it up, and then they decided to throw, like fling the stick of mud and it's like hits someone, you know, like mud gets all over their shirt and all this stuff. And we we're all like, yeah, yes. And, and uh, we have discovered something. And so like someone else is like, okay, here we go. And this like kind of mud fight ensues. We're throwing mud at each other and it's amazing. And it's so much fun, right? We're just like, it's just like picking up clumps of grass and just throwing it. It's just like hitting someone and laughing. And I remember our teacher came out and was like, hey, what, you stop, right? What are you doing out here? And so we, she was like, you got to go inside and clean up. And of course, for us, cleaning up meant we just made the bathroom dirty um, with everything that's happening, right? And eventually we had to clean all that up and it was fine. But there was this, you know, camaraderie that we had formed with one another. Fast forward to my freshman year of high school. Um, I had found out my, my dad was switching jobs. We were moving from Illinois to Houston, Texas. And uh, I remember moving, and in that moment, being aware uh, of just, wow, like, I had all these childhood friends, and I know everyone, to all of a sudden, now I know no one. And it's for the first time in my life to be aware um, that you, not everyone just has friends automatically. You have to make friends. Like, you, you are born and raised with people, and, and, and you have to build friendships with other people. I remember going into high school and, and unsure if there was going to be like a horse stable at the school or something strange like that, because I was, I was coming from Illinois, and, uh, right? And, and there wasn't, um, but, but it was just this idea. For the first time, I'm hyper aware that, that I'm the outsider, and I remember feeling lonely and alone. That was one of the hardest years and seasons of my life to be the only person, it felt like, who wasn't on the inside crowd, to not know people's families, right? To not know, to not have your brother and sister go through the same high school as you anymore. And I say all that because today we're going to be continuing our sermon series to the book of Proverbs. And today we're going to be talking about friendship. And friendship is this problem 
uh, or not a problem, but is this topic that can, can generate a lot of different things in our mind. Some of us have close friends and dear friends, but some of us in this room feel like me after freshman year. Man, I feel lonely and I feel isolated. And I'm not sure that anyone is mindful of me. We are more isolated as a society than ever. According to U.S. Census data, in 2021, there, are thir- there were 37 million one-person households, people living by themselves, or 28% of all U.S. households. That is up uh, from 13% in 1960. So more of the population is living alone. Um, I, I, there's this quote from Vivek Murthy, who is the Surgeon General of the United States. He said, loneliness, weak social connections, and weak social connections are associated with a reduction in lifespan similar to that caused by smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Um, and so I was like, I don't know how they measure that, but his, his point was, man, there's a toll that this is actually taking on people physically. When people are alone and isolated, they're actually, there's data to support that their life expectancy is actually shorter, and in some cases, similar to that of those who smoke cigarettes. And if you look at trends in the United States in particular, things like uh, mental health issues, depression are on the rise. People feel isolated. Uh, suicide attempts have been growing over the past few decades. Right? There is a toll that's taking place because of the isolation or lack of social connection that is felt. And I want to say this before we go any further. Man, if you feel like that's you, I just want to say you are not alone. If you have felt like, man, I, I, I just feel alone, disconnected. I'm not sure that there's people who care about me. What, I just want to read what the scripture says in John chapter 15. Jesus is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and he says, Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. And it's this beautiful moment where Jesus is with his disciples, and he says, I call you not my servants, but I call you my friends. And he says, I lay down my life for you. And so if you feel alone or isolated, Jesus sees you clearly. And he has laid down his life for you and wants to know you. And so bear with me. But if you have a Bible, go to the book of Proverbs. um, And you can just pick any chapter, because we're going to be hopping all over the place. It's going to be like Bible drill, okay? Uh, And so the the first passage we're going to be in is Proverbs 19, if you want to go there. Uh, But we're going to be hopping all over the place in terms of, of the book of Proverbs, and just looking at what does the book of Proverbs say about our friendships? Because for many of us, maybe this is something that's easy to us, uh, and we build a lot of friendships, but we struggle with depth, or or for some of us, friendships is really hard, but we all can grow in wisdom, and and the book of Proverbs actually has quite a bit to say about friendships. I was trying to look up all the passages. There's at least 20 different Proverbs that speak to friendships in, in, in the book of Proverbs. Uh, and, and there's a lot of different things, and I tried to clump them together. So this is not going to be a 20-point sermon, okay? It's going to be just three, um, but I try to clump, man, what are some of these main ideas as we think about friendships? How do we walk as people of wisdom in this world? Now, I want to say one more thing, because I think we also live in an age where friendships are sometimes confusing, right? There's online communities and uh, sometimes we, it's like our workplace culture. It's like, we want us to be a family at work, right? And, and like friends, except like, if you misbehave, we're going to fire you. And, and it's like, it's like, is that what friendship is? And uh, is an online community? Like if I've never met them. And I just want to give this definition of friendship. 
right? It's two people who desire the well-being of each other outside of obligation, right? And so if you're like, I go to Dutch Bros every day and they know my name, that's not necessarily a friend, right? That's just, that's out of obligation sometimes, okay? Um, and we all have those places, but it's a two people who desire the well-being of one another outside of obligation. So if it's one-sided, that's not what I'm talking about, right? If it's just one person who's seeking the relationship, it's mutual, right? If it's men, if you've never met the person or talk with them or interact with them, like that famous person that you watch online or whatever, like they're not your friend, okay? Right? What I'm talking about is two people who are invested in one another, right? Outside of obligation, outside of their job requirements, that is what I am talking about. So we're going to be in the book of Proverbs, and we're going to be all over the place. Um, so my first point is this. The wise use what they have to build friendships. So Brian talked a lot about wisdom last week, and, and I kind of did an overview of the book of Proverbs. I challenge you, if you have not listened to that, that's very helpful because he kind of walks through an overview of the book. But he gives this definition of wisdom. It, it is not knowledge. It is not uh, data or someone who's well-studied wisdom is skillful living. And so if we want to be people who are wise, we need to live life skillfully. We need to live, navigate relationships in a skillful way. And there's this lie that exists in the world that says, man, if I want to become wise, I got to do this on my own. Like I got to get with God and my Bible and, and, and like just like highlight a bunch of verses, maybe circle some things. And, and I, by just being alone, like then I'm going to become like Jesus and I'm going to grow. And those things are good, but we need other people, right? We need friendships. Friendships are not this like optional add-on, like, well, if you like people, go, you know, go for it. But if not, optional, right? Um, no, friendships are actually integral to our growth as believers, and, this, and, and the book of Proverbs gives lots of commands to say, build friendships for yourself. Use what you have. I love um, what Proverbs chapter 19 says. It says this, wealth adds many friends, but a poor man is separated from his friends. Right? And so he says this first part, and this is the first point uh, I want to give under, uh, under this section, leverage your wealth to make friends. There's a lot of Proverbs about this idea. Like there's another proverb here, Proverbs 14. The poor is hated even by his neighbor, but those who love the rich are many. And you read this, you're like, what? This is like a weird Devo for the day, right? It, the, the, this is not a comment on the value of the rich or the poor. It is a proverb talking about, hey, there is wisdom in understanding the reality that you have been given uh, stuff. If you have been given a home, an income, a salary, if you have a car, you have the ability to build connections with people, and you should leverage those things to build friendships with people, to build connections with people. Because here's the reality. The world, us included, we love stuff, okay? That's okay. We can say that. Like, we like to have things. And, and, and the author of, the, of these Proverbs is saying, hey, when you are wealthy or you have things, people take notice of that. It's an opportunity for you. And he's saying, and in, in context of Scripture, we are not called to just use our stuff for ourselves, but actually called to take inventory of what we have and how we can leverage that to build friendships with other people. Now, becoming wealthy should not be our aim. Jesus talks about this clearly in Matthew chapter 6, 
right? When he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven um, where neither moth nor rust destroy or where thieves do not break in and steal. And he says, hey, your goal is not to amount a ton of stuff for yourself. That's not your end game. But as you are given things by God or positioned in positions of power, whatever it is, if you are placed with influence and with stuff, he's, the Proverbs are saying wise people leverage that to build friendships because friendships are not this optional side quest in life. They are integral to us becoming who we are called to be. Look what the Proverbs say um, in chapter 19. Many will seek the favor of a generous man and every man is a friend to him who gives gifts. And I love this because he's saying, man, when you become a generous person, you foster the ability to gain friends in your life. So if you are feeling isolated or, or maybe you are new to town or whatever it might be, it goes back to what your parents probably taught you, right? If you want to have friends, you need to be a good friend to other people, right? It's tapping into that. Man, be the kind of person who uses your stuff to serve others, to be generous with other people, and that will garner friendships in your life. That's something that we should do and think about. That's what the wise do. They don't view their stuff as just something to be spent on them and their family. They see it as an opportunity to build connections with people, right? I'm uh, the youth pastor here, um, and so we uh, rely on the generosity of our families left and right, um, right, to host us, and, and I love it, um, and I, I didn't talk, tell them I was going to share this example, but, but Joel and Heidi Cook have told our ministry on many examples, on many occasions, like, hey, our stuff is your stuff. Like, you need our van, here, you know, here you go, just take it, uh, right? If you need a place for us to host an event, like, you can have our house, right, and all this stuff, and they just say, man, your, our stuff is meant to be used to build connections with people, to provide a place for people to study the word of God in community. We want to use that. And like they, we put them in this elite category called, it's official title, Friends of Grace Youth, right? They are, they, they are helpful, and we, they, but so many of you guys do that. My wife is also extremely gifted in this, right? And, and just when she is, a, when, when you become friends with her, she'll write you notes. Like you'll, you'll like walk into your office and you're like, flowers are here. What is, like how did this get here? Right, uh, and, and and she's just someone who friends hard. Right, that's why that's how I describe it. She she writes notes. She writes encouragement. She if you're in the hospital, she will visit you. She shows up and says, "I'm going to use my time and my energy to build friendships with people," and we are called to do that. I love. There's also a warning to those. Uh, this is Proverbs 25. Uh, some of you are like, "I need to send this to someone." Right? It's a proverb for those on the receiving end. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he is his fill of you and hates you, right? And so it's a call to the other end of, man, we are called to be generous, but also make sure you're not a mooch, okay? Make sure you're not someone who's taking advantage of other people. Um, I just thought that was funny because the, the Proverbs are so, uh, just so honest and real. Um, we also can leverage our words. We also can leverage our words. Look at this proverb. A perverse man spreads strife and a slanderer separates intimate friends. Do you realize your words have the ability to garner friendships? By what you say, you can build friendships, you can encourage people and build them up. Or you can use your words to destroy other people. So I always have this talk, I've, uh, I'm like at this phase of life uh, where I'm getting to officiate a lot of weddings, um, and it's like this strange 
thing that pastors get to do that somehow me, Thomas, right, uh, get to be like a part of like a big, like, the, like a girl's like dream as a child. And, and like I'm there. It's just like this strange thing that we get to do. But um, in the weddings that I get to do, I know the couples very well. And um, there's a part that I always say, especially um, to, to uh, the wife, um, right, who's marrying her husband. I always say, hey, you're, you have this gift from God. Your words can be used to build him up like more than anyone else in this world. Like you have been given this unique privilege and platform to build him up or to tear him down, right? Because like a lot of things can happen at work or in other places, right? And, and those words just don't mean anything. I, I think about a sermon that I heard when I was in college from Jacob Smith. He talked about the grandma paradox where like your grandma can love on you and show you love and like knit you socks and you're like, whatever. Um, and then like some random girl can be like, I like your shoes. And you're just like floored for weeks, you know? And it's like, man, there's people who just have an ability to speak into your life in a way that's like, I just hold on to every word. And, and wives in particular can build up their husbands and make them into confident men by building them up and not striking them down. Our words have power. James 3, we've been studying this um, this past semester, but James talks about how the tongue is a fire. And James doesn't, he doesn't spare any words. He's like the source of the tongue. He's like it's originated in hell and, and no one can tame it. And it actually, as we speak, it sets the course of people's lives on fire. And you're like, whoa. And he says, no one can tame the tongue. Be mindful of your speech. He even gives a warning. He says, be, don't, don't be eager to become teachers for you will be judged harshly because words are powerful. Look what this proverb says here in Proverbs chapter 26. Like a madman who throws firebrands and arrows and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I am only joking. Right? It's this proverb about the power of our actions towards someone and just saying, hey, I was kidding when I did that. Right? I was, I'm just joking. Right? And it taps into the idea of sarcasm. Even done in jest can be brutal in the lives of the people around us. We should leverage our stuff and our words to generate friendships for us, to build relationships with other people. We should think about that. So what do, we, what do we do with this? So what does this actually look like? Well, the first step is take inventory of what you've been given. What are the platforms, what are the people that God has given you a, a position to speak into their life? Right? What are the places, the things that God has given you, how can you leverage that uh, in the name of Jesus? Take someone out to lunch. Maybe it's a coworker, right? Move your relationship outside of obligation and say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy you lunch. Tell me about your life. What's going on? Invite that other family over for dinner. Take the initiative there, right? For, it doesn't even have to be in the same generation, right? Some of you can host college Bible studies. Some of you guys can, like, some of you have done an amazing job of this, of, like, adopting our college volunteers, you know, and they've, like, become, like, other children to you, and they go on vacation with you, right? And you bring them into your home, and you say, hey, I'm going to use what I've been given to build this connection. That's what wise people do. I love what Proverbs chapter 22 says. He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. We have this ability, if we are wise with our words, to even generate favor with those who have authority over us. We will have the king as our friend. 
Our words are powerful. So with all of that, friendships are not just optional endeavor. We should make it our effort to use what we've been given to build friendships and relationships. I want to move to our second point. The wise use friendships to grow in maturity. So uh, my, I, I mentioned how I kind of move around. I moved around the country just a little bit. I grew up in Illinois, and now I'm in Texas. And uh, my mom's side of the family is from West Texas. Um, but my dad, um, he would, like, I guess part of it is fun, but part of it was just, like, he couldn't help it. But as he moved to these different parts of the country, he would just pick up the accent of that place. Um, right? And so, like, when he was in Texas, uh, you know, especially West Texas with my mom's family, he'd have, like, a southern drawl, and, like, the words howdy and y'all would be over there. And then, like, as we were up in the Midwest, right, it would be, like, it was kind of like that, you know, that SNL skit, like, da bears, you know, can I get a bratwurst? Like, it was just, like, that would start to come out. My sister lives in Montana, and so, like, Canadian would start to come in at times. And, and it was just, like, fascinating. I think he did it for fun. Uh, but it was just, like, man, where you go influences you right? Like, like it is just being surrounded by a certain type of person or accent or way of speech makes you want to join in, right? We've all experienced that, right? Most of you guys are Aggie fans in here. Some of you are not. That's okay, I guess, right? But, but right, that wasn't just something that, like, God planted in your soul at birth. Uh, and some of you are like, no, yes, it was, right? Uh, right? But, like, by living in this area or growing up in a household where people talked about A&M, it's like you, there's this love for things Aggie that, that you have kind of built into your life because you're surrounded by it, right? If you grow up on the other side of the planet, it's not just, like, you find A&M, like, in the wilderness, like, you know, like, I found it, like, the God, the spirit that can't be told, like, uh, right? It's not, like, this general principle you will, like, man, by where you live and work and play, that influences the type of person that you become. And the wise person, according to Proverbs, uses their friendships to grow in maturity. They acknowledge that their friends shape them. So your friends can do a lot of different things. So right, your friends can make you foolish or wise. Look what Proverbs chapter 22 says. Right? Do not associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man, or you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. That's a profound truth. Right? If you surround yourself with people who are angry and prone to outbursts of anger, inevitably, probably you will become more angry. If you surround yourself with people who are positive or who encourage one another, you are likely to become someone who is more positive and encouraging. If you affiliate with a group of people who critique their families and talk about their wives in a way that's negative, you will be more prone to become that type of person. If you are someone who is surrounded by people, right, who do not love Jesus, and that's who you allow to speak into your life, it will foster an indifference towards Jesus in your life. The Proverbs would say the wise man is very, very uh, thoughtful in who he allows to speak into and influence him. But we can leverage this for good. Look what this says in Proverbs 13. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. We can surround ourselves with people who are wise, I love what Ephesians chapter 4, chapter, uh, verse 1 says. It says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. 
right? As followers of Jesus, there's this calling on our life to walk according to uh, the calling we've received, right? We are called to become a disciple of Jesus and to make disciples of Jesus, right? That's like this, this overarching purpose that has been placed in our life by God. We are called to learn how to be a disciple of Jesus, to become like him, to spend time with him, to mimic his behavior, to, to take on his character over and over and over again. The New Testament talks about becoming like Christ, which is not a statement about becoming gods ourselves, but taking on the character and the, and the, the glory of Christ, that, that we see the world through the way that Christ sees the world. We become like him in that sense. That's the call. And we're called to help others become like Jesus as well in making disciples. And we, if we surround ourselves with people who are running in that way, right, running towards that calling, we can leverage that to help us become more and deeper in love with Jesus. So what I'm not saying is, man, if someone's not a believer, right, like you're like, hey, can I see your baptism card or something? Like, you don't have to do that, right? And it's like, get out of my life or, no, we should interact with non-believers. That, that's a clear call. But I'm talking about who do you allow to influence you? When you are making big decisions about your life, when you are thinking about, okay, do we move here? Do I switch jobs here? Okay, how do I discipline my kids, right? Um, how do I uh, deal with this conflict? Who are you allowing to speak into those situations? We should guard that. We should be wise in saying, let, let me surround myself with people who are running in the same direction as me, who are, who are running and becoming more like Jesus, because that's what I want for myself. I love the, the verse. It's a popular proverb, perhaps the most popular. It says, iron sharpens iron. This is Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Right? That's like every men's event key passage ever. It's actually not gendered. It's talking about relationships. Right? We as people, male or female, can have the ability to sharpen and build one another up. We should leverage that. That's what the wise do. So you have to ask yourself, am I wise in my friendships? I think a helpful question to ask yourself is this. Man, by spending time with this person, Right, by, by giving them influence over my life, am I becoming more like Jesus? Or am I devolving into less like Jesus? Right, how are they speaking? And, and that's a hard thing to answer, because right, sometimes people are both. It's like, I like these parts of you, but other parts of you? Mm, I don't know. You know right? and, and we have to use wisdom in how we allow people to speak into our lives. But one of the things that a consistent friend does, you should ask yourself, is, man, do they ever rebuke me? And you're like, why would I want that, right? I like to surround myself with people who agree with me. I like people with wealth, right? The Proverbs said that, didn't they? No, like, right, do your friends ever correct you? A sign of healthy friendships are that you have people in your life willing to call you out and call you to something greater, right? Think about it on a very micro scale, right? If you're out to dinner with friends and you have a salad and you get something stuck in your teeth, what does the good friend do? right? They say something. If they don't, it's like, we're done here. You know, like, we're, you know, we're just casual friends, I guess. Uh, we're not deep brothers and sisters, right? You're, you're, there's enough trust to say, hey, I want what's best for you. I'm going to call this out in you. We need to fight for that. Look what Proverbs says in Proverbs 27. Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, 
but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. The Proverbs say, man, your enemies will tell you what you want to hear often. They'll, they'll, they'll give you kisses, right, that, that, that bring joy into your life. But it says a friend is willing to wound you for a short time so that you become more and more like Jesus. Man, how uh, are you wise in your friendships? Do your friends, do you have anyone who calls you out and pushes you towards Christ? The general trend that we have, myself included, is to surround ourselves with people who agree with us on almost anything that's important, right? And then to block out anyone who disagrees with us strongly. It's like, well, you just call that out because you're jealous of it, right? No, it's like we have that natural propensity in us. But we say, no, I want to, my goal is not to have people who agree with me, but to have people who push me towards Jesus. And that will always mean that they're willing to call me out for, for my sin. They're willing to rebuke me and to correct me. This happened the other day, right? I, uh, I, someone called me out, and I said I was in a meeting, and the way I was speaking was prideful and, and shutting other people down in the meeting. And they called me out on that. They pulled me aside, you know, and we talked about it. And the way that uh, I've learned to respond to those situations is, man, that's a blind spot for me. Um, hey, if you see that, can you call that out? Hey, I invite you to speak into my life. And I actually told two other people about that. It's like, hey, speak into my life. You see that? That's not who I want to be. I don't want to be prideful. Call that out of me. If you want this kind of friendship, right, people don't just naturally call each other out, right? Some of you are like, I do. That's fine with me. That's cool, right? No, but for most of us, you have to give that person permission. So have you ever told your friends, hey, my goal is to become like Jesus Man, here's where I know I struggle, but I also know I have blind spots. Can you just watch my life? Call me out. If you see anything, I invite you to correct me. I invite you to push me towards Jesus. So I want to move to my last point this morning, and it's this. Or actually, sorry, one more scripture. Proverbs 19, listen to counsel and accept discipline that you may be wise the rest of your days. It is all over the Proverbs. All right, now last point. The wise use friendships as a place of refuge. The wise use friendships as a place of refuge. So uh, when I was kind of like halfway through college, like, or, I mean, I, I lived in the dorms, and then I lived in an apartment, and, uh, but basically there was like a six or seven year stretch where I moved almost every year, right? And, and the houses that I was living in um, were not great, right, okay? Like bunk mates, one house had bed bugs in it, um, that was a great moment. Um, I'm clean now, so don't worry, um, right? Uh, but the, like, like, you know, I, I'm pretty sure there was like a year where none of the roommates like even vacuumed the house uh, that, that I stayed in or the apartment we were staying in where it's, like, where it's like, you know, God forbid if we drop something and like have to like look under the couch for it because there's like a three-dimensional landscape of like toenail clippings and hair coming out and it's like, oh my goodness, right? And, and it's like, that's the kind of places we lived. Um, and right, decorating meant like putting like a like a like a picture on the wall like of like an NFL player, and it was like decorated, right? It's like that's that that was that was making it cozy. And then you know I got married, okay? I married my wife Emily, and uh, you know we bought a house, and like things started to appear in our home. Well, one we weren't moving anymore, which is super nice, but also like I discovered things like throw pillows. 
And I was like, what are these? They're just like, they're, op- like, they're just for decoration, and there'd be like flowers and vases and like an accent wall. And I was like, oh, decoration. Like, I, I get it now. Um, or like paintings or, you know, like just the, the house became a place, not like where I just slept at night, right? Some of you guys in college right now, it's like, that's just where I sleep and eat and like I try to avoid doing the dishes, right? And that's what I, that's my house. But like the house became a place of a, like it was just a refuge. Man, when I go there, there's peace. It's like it's clean. It's like it's been vacuumed. This is great, right? There's not just like things everywhere, but things are in their right spot. Um, and there's, and obviously getting to join lives with my wife. And it's like there is someone there to support me and talk through and process everything with. And there was this moment of realizing like, man, my house is a place of refuge. And so for some of us, I think as we approach friendships, right, so many of us have lots of friends that are an inch deep, but we, uh, you know, what we are called to do is to leverage our friendships as a place of refuge, to go a mile deep, right? Some of us treat our friends like rentals, uh, right? It's just, one, yeah, this is my group of friends right now versus going deep with a few people. And some of you have the ability to go deep with a lot of people. God bless you, right? But most of us, man, there's, we, just need, we have the capacity for one, two, three, maybe four people to share our lives with. That's what relationships are designed for. Look at what Proverbs says in chapter 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. All of us will face hardship. There are things coming for us that we have no idea about. Illnesses, situations, job loss, failed classes, whatever it might be. And the wise say, my friends will be a refuge for me. I will let them into my struggles, into my hardships, I will invite them in to see all of me so that they can support me, right? I build friendships around me, not just so I can help them, but so that they can help me in my time of need. I love what Proverbs chapter 27 says, do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother far away. And this is not a statement meant to like, you know, say, families are not great, so go to your friends. No, it's, it's a statement about, hey, some of us, the reality is our families live far away, and we can build friendships, right? In Christ, we can become brothers and sisters and join lives with people. And in the day of calamity, it is better to lean on them than those who are far away, right? We need places of refuge outside of our families in addition to our families but we need friends. So I remember getting to the end of college, I studied mechanical engineering at AM, um, and I was looking at full-time ministry and just not really sure, you know, like, I, I, yeah, excited some days, other days just terrified, right? There's this weird thing that happens where it's like every year, it's like, I know what I'm doing next fall, I know what I'm doing next fall, and then you get to graduation, it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I could move here or there, I could stay here, I don't know. And it's so stressful, even some of you who are not in college right now, right? You're faced with decisions about, do we move our family? Should we take, should we take on this debt? Should we do this thing, right? And, and I remember in that moment, it was my friends who came around me and just prayed, who surrounded me and spoke truth into my life, who were able to tell me, hey, hey, this is what is true. 
to help navigate something that was, that was very stressful in determining your future in life. And we need friends like that. I mentioned this earlier. Proverbs 18 says this, a man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Um, that's the NASB translation. The NIV says, um, a man of unreliable friends comes to ruin, but there is a, man, a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Um, and it's this idea, this proverb is saying, hey, the natural thought or the natural inclination that we have is to have a lot of different friends, right? We have a lot of acquaintances, right? Maybe some like professional development people or whatever, guys I can go to, you know, the Aggie basketball game with or the baseball, whatever. I can, I, we can talk about the weather, right? That's what people do, I guess. Yeah, it's like, man, we can talk about just life, but it says a man of too many friends or unreliable friends or friends that are an inch deep, that man comes to ruin. But there is a friend. We can build friends that are our brothers, that are our sisters in Christ. And they will stick close to us in hardship. That's what we have to fight for. How do we do that? How do we go from being an inch deep to a mile deep with friends? It is not easy, and it takes work. Some of us are more gifted than others, so we should not compare ourselves to one another. Right? Some people are just good at this, and that's okay. That's how you are gifted. But some of us, it's more challenging. Here's my first thought here. Share your story with people. Share your testimony. You may have friends or a community group even, and you guys have been studying the Bible together, right? You've gone through James or you've gone through other things. Um, but man, you've never actually shared your testimony, your story of how you got to where you are right now. I challenge you, share your story. Some of you might even be married to one another, and it's like, man, we just haven't talked about our journey in Christ recently. Or some of it, I mean, I'm in youth ministry all the time. I, I ask our students, hey, have you ever heard your parents' testimony? And they're like, you know what? No. And I'm like, go ask them. That'll blow their mind, uh, right? And, you know, they'll freak them out maybe. Uh, but, man, we should share our story with people. And not just where we've moved location, but what are the things that Christ has done in our hearts? What are the loves that we have fallen to, the idols that we have allowed to implant themselves into our hearts? And how has Christ redeemed those things? Or how is he currently redeeming those things? Our stories don't have to be complete pictures, right? A lot of times we feel like, it's like, and then I've never sinned again. Then now that's where I'm at right now, right? That's really not the reality, right? It's, man, I'm telling people about what's happening. If you want this kind of brotherhood, oftentimes you have to be the one who initiates. And as we initiate with one another, they will initiate with us. Another thing you can do it's probably one of the least popular spiritual disciplines, but it is the practice of confession, right? No one enjoys confession, uh, necessarily. Uh, if you do, that's good for you, right? Like, but confession is the idea of, man, when I become aware of sin in my life, the Holy Spirit convicts me of sin, I'm going to tell someone about it, right? There's an aspect of confession where we confess to God, and that we should do that. But we also are called to confess to other people. Man, do you have people that you confess to? Are there friends that you have that you say, man, we need to move this to say, hey, I want you to ask me some of these tough questions. This is where I'm struggling right now. I invite you in to this. Practice confession. And then the last one that I would say is just join a community. At Grace, we have Grace groups uh, for our adults. 
If you are not a part of a grace group, I would challenge you to join one. You can go to the Welcome Center. There's going to be someone there with a smile and the name tag, right? And they're going to be, they'll be willing to help you, um, right? There, uh, there's small groups for every age group. I know college this summer is not doing their typical um, uh, meetings across the street, but they're meeting in the fireside room and processing the sermons afterwards in the fireside room to discuss them together. And so you can come to the first service and then go meet other college students, discuss the sermon, have fun, build relationships with people, but have a community that you can walk with. You don't have to wait till the fall. You can start even now. But there's a lot of different options there. So I don't have this on the screen, but I just want to read this proverb to you. It says, Many a man proclaims his own loyalty, but who can find a trustworthy man? Who can find a trustworthy man? And he's, he, he's writing, and he's saying, hey, building trustworthy friends is hard. They don't, they're not just everywhere. Building friends that you can take refuge in is really difficult. And so the Proverbs are, are imploring us, man, fight to build these things. Build these types of relationships. They will not always come easy. So if you find yourself, man, we've done the community group thing, or I've gone, just don't give up. Right? There's not like a personality type that's like, you were meant for isolation. That, that's not a thing. Right? We are all meant for community. Don't give up. Keep initiating. Be faithful. And I promise you, the Lord will bring people into your life in due time. So I want to end with some application and wrap up. Um, I just have a couple of things. The first one is this. Take inventory of your life. And what has God given you that you can leverage to build friendships. Maybe some of us have just said, man, I haven't thought about how I can use my stuff, how I can use my words to build other people. The next one is this. What kind of friends do you have? Who do you allow to speak into your life? What I challenge you to do is to take inventory of that as well. And who am I allowing to influence me? And how are they influencing me? And then the last one is join a community. Join a community of people. Start today. Talk to someone, make plans, but do not let yourself walk without friendships as we follow Christ together. Let's pray together. Well, Father, we thank you for your kindness and your love towards us in giving us friends. Thank you that you have built into our DNA, our, our very humanness is the need for interaction. And God, that's not necessarily a deficiency, but it's part of, of how we were created, to be known by others, to walk with others, to experience the joy. And so, Father, I just want to pray specifically over people right now, if they are feeling isolated or they feel alone or, man, they just feel that they're in a dark spot that no one cares. I pray that you would just speak truth over them even now. Remind them of your presence, that you love them. God, your scripture says that you are mindful of each and every one of us. And may we not lose hope. And so, Father, we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.